So we'll be reading from John 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leaves them out. <clears throat> when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they, they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay, my, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to me. They will, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colony of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you, don't, and you do not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which one of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, or for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Let's pray. Father God, please help us open up our, um, our ears to this message, Lord, and please help us to open our hearts to allow your Spirit to come in, allow us to heal, to hear how many times you repeat that you are our shepherd, really believe that, God. Um, we pray for that tonight, Lord. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, David. <laughs> so, um, you know, listening to John 10, read by David and Corey, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he calls us sheep. It's really straightforward. But let's be honest, you know, hearing those things said by Jesus um, about himself and directed mainly at us, thinking about us as sheep, it's very, very difficult to hear. Uh, 
it's difficult on a couple different levels. Number one, first difficulty is that it's, it's really hard to understand. Like, what do we know about sheep? I mean, I'm, I'm going to venture a guess that there's nobody in here that pretty much knows anything about sheep, other than maybe something you've read in a book. I used to have sheep. Oh, okay. <laughs> I used to sheep on my farm in Idaho. Okay, well, Ellie, you're going to check. You're going to fact check me tonight. Make sure that everything I say is accurate. But probably I'm, not too many people. Because <laughs> I know nothing about sheep. Um, you know, when you grow up in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, there's not much. I went to a petting zoo one time. <laughs> You know, fed a sheep, but that's about it. But if you had grown up in Palestine 2,000 years ago during the time of Jesus, you know, sheep were ubiquitous. They were everywhere. They were like smartphones or cars. I mean, your family would have likely had some, and you definitely would have been around them. So for Jesus to say, I am the good shepherd, and you all are are, your sheep, I mean, this would not be lost on them. This gets lost on 21st century Americans, unless... You're Ella, right? Um, <laughs> but, okay, that difficulty aside, right? Because, you know, we're just so far removed from first century Palestine in the time of Jesus. There's a big bridge to gap. That, or, yeah, bridge to gap there. Gap to bridge. Um, <laughs> the second difficulty, this is more significant, is that we might not know a whole lot about sheep. But when Jesus calls us sheep, it's really humbling. Right? Um, Jesus is not flattering us when he calls us sheep. He's definitely not inflating our ego. He's definitely not pumping us up. He's telling us in no uncertain terms that this is what your relationship with me looks like. Right? I am the good shepherd. Okay, you got it? And you are these creatures that are vulnerable, helpless, pathetic, stubborn, clueless, and weak. And you know you got that, Right? This is, this is what sheep are. And so if you want a relationship with me, Jesus says, then you need to understand that this is who I am. I'm the good shepherd. And then this is who you are. You are, you are sheep. You need to understand that. So do, you know, tonight, do you believe, if you're a follower of Christ, do you think of yourself in this particular way? Because we've been going through different identities that God gives us um, in our relationship with him. Whether it's, uh, you know, we're... Um, we're siblings in God's family. We're brothers and sisters. Or we're, we're saints. We're, we've been set apart for a purpose. right? Or we're heirs. Like, all of us were like, oh, yeah, sign me up for that one. Like, you know, heirs are supposed to get stuff, right? Um, like, we have no difficulty being called an heir. But this is, this is challenging. It's difficult to be called a sheep. Back in 2015, a Yale professor, um, I don't know if I can get his last name right, William Derisowitz? Is that Anybody know? Okay, he wrote a book. Yeah, thank you, Jay. He read a, wrote a book, this is like 2015, like I said, he criticized the Ivy League education, and it's, the book is entitled Excellent Sheep, a mis- The Miseducation of the American Elite. And his thesis is basically that, you know, the Ivy League has created a batch of students who are brainy but soulless. Um, they don't really care about the big questions of life or pursue truth, and they're afraid to go against the status quo. Instead, they are, quote-unquote, excellent sheep, Right? Insofar as they just dutifully follow the things that they're supposed to do while they're at school and beyond, uh, whatever Princeton, Yale, or Harvard teaches them, so they can get outstanding jobs in their field or go to outstanding grad schools. Right? So I'm not bringing up this book tonight to recommend reading it. I've never read it, nor am I defending the thesis. Jay's giving it a thumbs up. That's a, that's a good um, But my point there is that there's an example of being called a sheep that's not good. Right? Um, even an excellent sheep. 
uh, it's a humbling identity. It's, for in this particular case, it's borderline derogatory. But the reality is, is the Bible often refers to us as sheep. Jesus calls us sheep over and over again. Um, and this is humbling. But God clearly thinks or, or believes that this is an identity that we need to embrace if we want to grow in our relationship with God and our, in our understanding of who we are before God. So our plan for tonight is I want us to consider the characteristics of a sheep, or some of them, um, and then, more briefly, characteristics of a shepherd, particularly Jesus as our good shepherd, and then finally, just a few personal applications as we go into Christmas break. So first, characteristics of a sheep. Sheep are prone to follow. We not, might not know much about sheep, but we, we know that, right? They're sort of they're, they're the quintessential herd animal. Um, John 10.3, the sheep hear his voice, you know, the shepherd's voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, here we see that the sheep are led by a shepherd. The sheep are not the leader. They're the followers. Um, and again, in John 10, later on in the passage that was read, 10.27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and then they follow me. Sheep follow, that's what they do best. I mean, I read a statistic about New Zealand, the ratio of people to sheep in New Zealand. Well, how about sheep to people? It's six to one. Um, six times more sheep than people. This is only possible because sheep are herd animals. You cannot have that kind of statistic with lions. And everybody existing on that island, right? Um, but the idea is that, you know, shepherds lead sheep. They lead them to good grass. The sheep follow. They're decent followers. And, and it's, so it's possible to have large masses of sheep um, if you're in a place like New Zealand. So, but the critical question is, okay, so you're good sheep are good followers. That's what they do. The critical question is, is if sheep are prone to follow, then what voice or what voices are they following? What are they listening to? Sheep learn to follow the voices of those around them. So what are those voices that they're listening to? You know, bridging it to us. What are the voices that we are listening to? What are the voices that we follow, that we tune into? Are we even aware of the voices that we're listening to and that we're following? Gary Larson, he has, you guys know Gary Larson, the far side? Okay, I see some people shaking their head. Um, he has so many sheep cartoons. I brought a few of them tonight. This is one of them. This is the sheep are prone to follow. Like, there's a sheep standing up, and there's a whole herd sort of go migrating together, and this sheep is saying, wait, wait, listen to me. We don't have to be just sheep. But you do, because you're a sheep, you know? Like, they all just follow each other. Oh, the next one. This is like at a bar scene. Well, what did you know? I'm a follower, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you can go back to the Bible. And <laughs> I, I, I know there's an emphasis at Princeton about being a leader, like a leader and, and developing leadership, taking risks, stepping out, leaning in, and all that, right? And, and there's absolutely a place for that. I mean, Jesus isn't saying that we can't be leaders. He calls his disciples to lead the church after his ascension. Um, but, but the point here is for us to recognize that in our life, we do an awful lot of following. Like we are sheep too, even if we are leaders. Um, so, for example, we, we tend to follow certain news outlets that confirm our political, our moral, or our social views. 
we tend to follow certain people on, say, Twitter or Instagram, and all of social media is sort of built and predicated upon the, the reality that we're eager to follow people. Um, we, we tend to follow certain fashion trends. Um, if you were a teenager in the 80s, oh my goodness, Robbie, could you go ahead? Yeah, right. So good. When I was a teenager in the 80s, you see those shorts? Oh my goodness. So does anybody know what those shorts are called? Ugly. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> They're called jams, but like, in the, as in this picture, I'm not in that picture, but this is what I, this is what I look like in the 80s. Me and my friends, this, we wore these shorts. Everybody had these shorts. That was the fashion trend of the day. And I got it on like totally 80s stuff. <laughs> right? But just think about fashion. It's like fashion, people follow fashion. Right? And then it goes out of fashion, and hopefully some of these things never come back. <laughs> um, I, Rob, can you go back to the scripture? Get that off there. Yeah. More seriously, I, this week, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday night, I was reading, I just in my newsfeed, I got an article from the BBC um, about a growing movement in South Korea called Escape the Corset. Uh, and so many Korean youth feel like there's such an unhealthy emphasis on certain standards of beauty and appearance. Um, this has been a part of their culture for the last several decades. And so they, these, these teenagers in like early 20s, um, they're, they're deliberately not wearing makeup. They're, they're, they're not getting plastic surgery and so forth. So there's this strong voice in Korean culture telling women, this is what beauty is, this is what it looks like, and many of them follow it, but an increasing number are not following it or going against you know, that particular cultural voice. Some opponents who, who are not following this anymore, they've been publicly criticized, and some of the more popular or famous or well-known opponents, they're actually receiving, being, they're receiving death threats because of their stance. So we have so many voices competing for our attention. And Jesus says, my sheep are tuned into my voice. So if you're a sheep, are you tuned into Jesus' voice? Do we hear him? Are you hearing him throughout the day? I mean, Jesus says, my sheep hear me, and then they follow me. And then, and then do we allow Jesus' voice to help us understand and help us shape and make sense of all of the other voices around us? Like, take, take beauty, for example. Like, what do the scriptures have to say? What, what does Jesus have to say about something like that? What is wise and right about that? As there are all these voices telling us about, like, this is what beauty is. Or is Jesus' voice getting drowned out by many of the other voices that are all around us every day? I'm told, again, Ella, maybe you can corroborate this, I'm told that you can mix you know, multiple sheep herds in the same pen, and then you can let them stay in there for hours or days, and then if you know, one of the shepherds comes along and, and calls out to the pen, calls out to the sheep in the pen, that for that particular shepherd, his or her particular sheep will listen to their voice and will follow them. And all the other sheep will supposedly stay in the pen. This is what I've read. I've never seen it in action. We only have one sheep herd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But that gives, you, that gives you, if that's true, I mean, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow my voice, that's, that's you know, this would have been obvious to the people of his day. So, as one characteristic of a sheep, we are prone to follow. In others, we are vulnerable. Sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are not ferocious predators. Right? Instead, sheep make delightful meals for ferocious <laughs> predators. I mean, the, the, in this particular passage, Jesus talks about wolves and human thieves. 
um, you know, their delicious prey to stronger dangers that lurk around them. That's what John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right? Or John 10.12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Right? Just this week, I was in a car with a bunch of junior high boys after a bas- my son's basketball game, and they were doing that imaginary thing of like, hey, do you know, like, if, if, like what if the 1990 Bulls were to play the current day, you know, Golden State Warriors, like, who would win, right? And maybe you did this as a kid, too, like, who would win, like, Black Panther or Wonder Woman? Like, these imaginary contests, right? Well, like, when Jesus presents it, like, who would win, a sheep or a wolf or a thief? It's like, there's, you know, there's no question. Like, sheep can't win any fight out there. Um, Sheep face threats and dangers much larger and more powerful than they can face on their own. They're vulnerable. They're defenseless creatures. Um, Gary Larson affirms this. (laughs) So... There's like a whole bunch of wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing. They say, wait a minute, isn't anyone here a real sheep? (laughs) Or, Gary, he has dark humor. This is a bunch of wolves. Well, I'm addicted. Have you tried Carol's sheep dip? And they're dipping this sheep. Oh, my goodness. And then the next one, right? It's a known fact that the sheep that give us steel wool have no mass. Like all the other real sheep out there, not the steel wool sheep, but the real sheep, they have enemies. Just about everything around them is an enemy and is a predator. Um, yeah, Robbie, if you could go back to the Bible. <laughs> Jesus understands our situation. He, he gets it. We are vulnerable sheep. We face dangers that constantly threaten us. Dangers like, okay, maybe at the end of this week, physical, mental, emotional fatigue. And then the bad places that that might lead us. Or the danger of being comfortable and having all of our felt needs met. Like, well, why do I need God? I'm I'm just perfectly content. I'm perfectly fine. Or the danger of being overwhelmed with guilt or shame. Like, well, why would God ever want me? Why would he ever take somebody like me in? (coughs) The danger of apathy or being, you know, deep into distractions or entertainment. The danger of facing trials and the struggles that they bring. The danger of being in a conflict with somebody. And, and then, you know, you become bitter, dismissive, or you're un, even unwilling to forgive. And then the really bad places that can take you. Maybe you're planning or plotting revenge of how to make that person pay, right? I mean, I just listed, I don't know, five or six dangers that we face. As sheep, we are vulnerable. We face so many dangers around us, outside of us, and also within. But the one big danger that Jesus has in mind here, that he's, that he's referencing, are the false teachers, Right? I mean, he's talking to a lot of the religious leaders when he's talking about this, and, and they're struggling with trying to understand them. Other shepherds, who, these, are, like, these false teachers are other shepherds who lead the flock away to dangerous places. And they're teaching, it sounds true, but it's seductive and it's destructive. David Pallison, he's an author and speaker, he, he put his finger on one of the seductive and false teachings of our day within the church. Um, you know, I was just trying to bridge this gap, like, ha. Ah, where are the wolves, where are the thieves that come in to try to steal the, 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 the knowledge that we have that Jesus is the good shepherd and what that means in the, in the gospel message, right? David Pallison, he wrote an article. If you want, you can read it. It's, if you could just Google David Pallison and then uh, the therapeutic gospel, and his article will come up. I'm just going to read you an excerpt of what he says. He says, the therapeutic gospel is structured to give people what they want, 
not to change what they want. It centers exclusively around the welfare of, of, of man and temporal happiness. It discards the glory of God in Christ. It forfeits the narrow, difficult road that brings deep human flourishing and eternal joy. This therapeutic gospel makes people feel better. It takes human nature as a given because human nature is too hard to change. It does not want the king of heaven to come down. It does not attempt to change people into lovers of God, given the truth of who Jesus is, what he's like, and what he's done for us. The therapeutic gospel is expressed in desires such as this. I want to feel love for who I am, to be pitied what I've gone, for what I've gone through, to feel intimately understood, and to be accepted unconditionally. I want to experience a sense of personal significance and meaningfulness, to be successful in my career, to know that my life matters and to have an impact. And he goes on to say that there's not necessarily anything wrong with those things, those desires. But if it just, he goes on to say, like, if this is what we think the gospel message is about, then we're, it's, this is false teaching. Um, I want to be entertained. I want to feel pleasure in the endless stream of performances that delight my eyes and fill my ears. In this new gospel, he says, the great evils to be redressed do not call for any fundamental change of direction in the human heart. Instead, the problem lies in my sense of rejection from others and my corrosive experience of life's vanity in my nervous sense of self-condemnation and my diffidence, in the, imminent threat if that in, in, uh, in the imminent threat of boredom if my music is turned off, and in my fussy complaints when a long, hard road lies ahead of me. These are today's significant felt needs that the gospel is bent to serve, or we long for the gospel to serve us in these ways. Jesus and the church exist to make you feel loved, significant, validated, entertained, and charged up. The logic of this therapeutic gospel is a Jesus for me who meets individual desires and assuages psychic aches. And he goes on from there. And I encourage you to read this article. Maybe don't read it right now if you're tired, because it'll hit you really hard. Like, read it in a short day or two, and you've been able to rest, and you can really absorb what he's saying. But he has his finger on something really critical, which is, you can sometimes hear a gospel that says, you know, come to Jesus, and your marriage, your life, your, your job, your angst, your depression... You know, it, it, it'll become that much better. Like, life will get better. And, and that's not the gospel message. That, that's our felt needs talking. And sometimes those needs are really deep. And, and you know, we need to understand what they, are, what they are, where they're trying to take us. But that's not the gospel message that Jesus brings. There's nothing wrong with wanting a better marriage or wanting to get the angst out of your job. It's just that the gospel doesn't promise Jesus doesn't promise to meet those kinds of needs, but he does promise that in a difficult marriage or in a difficult job, that he will be there with you, that he will transform who you are from the inside out in, in that situation. He will use you in that, in that situation, right? And, and he will never leave you or forsake you. But then there are those people who think, well, okay, Jesus can transform those things and then maybe he doesn't, and then they say, well, gosh, I, yeah, I've given up on Jesus. He's not the good shepherd. He, he didn't work for me. But they never understood the gospel to begin, begin with, the real gospel. They didn't want a lord or a good shepherd over their life and over their desires. Instead, they wanted their desires to be the lord over their, what they thought was their good shepherd. So, you know, we are vulnerable, and Jesus recognizes that there are lots of voices out there Wolves, thieves, false teachers who are trying to distort how we truly understand the gospel. One more characteristic of sheep. They're clueless. Um, so how about one more far side? Go to the next slide, Robbie. Right. 
this is a bunch of sheep having a party, and there's a border collie at the door, and, and he says, Henry, our party's total chaos. No one knows when to eat, where to stand, what to, oh, thank God, here comes the border collie. And that, from what I understand, that's what sheep are like. It's like they really don't know what to do or when to do it. They need, they need something. They need a shepherd or some sort of dog to guide them and direct them in all ways. But, you know, when you listen to Jesus' words in John 10, you can go back there, Robbie, Shepherds, they, they watch over, they protect, they lay down their life, they sustain, they feed, they lead, they tend to the flock, they personally know and look out for all the sheep in their flock. That's what shepherds do. And then the sense that you get from sheep is that, okay, that's who the shepherd is, but sheep have no idea, no idea of all that the shepherd does for them. They're clueless. They don't recognize the amazing sacrificial love and provision that comes from the shepherd who takes care of them. In fact, you know, if you know the Bible or if you know sheep, what does a typical sheep do in response to having such an amazing shepherd? It's right there in Isaiah 53. The sheep typically wanders away at some point. Right? Can you imagine? Not only are sheep relatively clueless, you know, ignorant of all that the shepherd is doing for them, and how much they owe the shepherd. But they're so foolish that they're prone to wander away from the presence of their good shepherd. We all, like sheep, Isaiah says, have turned away. Each of us has turned to our own way. But then there are those sheep who recognize the goodness of the shepherd over them. And Jesus hints at this in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus' sheep know him, he says. They recognize him. They understand who he is, all that he has done for them. Jesus' sheep, they don't remain clueless like a, a typical sheep. Yes, they might be prone to wander away, but they will come back to him because they know him, and they know that he really, truly is a good shepherd. So there you go. You know, we are sheep. We're prone to follow, vulnerable and helpless, and we tend to wander away. So, are you ready to embrace this identity that God has for us, that we are sheep? But, you know, that's who we are, and so thank God that Jesus is a good shepherd, right? If that's who we are as sheep, thank God that Jesus is that good shepherd. Um, now, we don't have a lot of time to linger here. What is this song? But I just thought we'd have to say a few things about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Um, that, that is actually the thrust of this passage. I mean, the, the, the main focus tonight is we, us as sheep. But just to say a few things about Jesus as a Good Shepherd. One characteristic of a Good Shepherd is that it's an all-consuming lifestyle. If shepherds give their life for the sheep. Um, my understanding of the life of the shepherd is that there, there was no vacation time, no days off, not even any hours off. Shepherds are endlessly working for their sheep. Even at the beginning of Jesus' teaching, if you caught it, we talked about you know, the, the shepherd sleeping at the gate or the door. It's because the shepherd would sort of pen in all the sheep. 
and then at night would sleep at the door or the gate um, so that none of the sheep would wander out and also nothing like a wolf would come in. So even while the shepherd was sleeping, the shepherd was still working, or at least being, it was ready to work. Um, shepherds even work in their sleep, so take that, you college students. Um, they have harder and longer hours than you. Um, it, it wasn't just a job, it was a life. It was a lifestyle. Um, in fact, this role was so consuming that sometimes they literally had to put their life on the line to be willing to step in and sacrifice themselves for their sheep. And this is why Jesus multiplies this, or emphasizes this multiple times, how he is that kind of shepherd, to, that he is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Which leads us to another characteristic of the good shepherd. He loves his sheep. The shepherd cares for and loves the sheep, and there's no greater demonstration of that than by giving the life, than the shepherd giving his life. And it, whether it's in daily acts of humble service or by being willing to sacrifice himself and lay down his life at the threat of an attack. John 10, 11 to 13, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them. And scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing at all for the sheep. Jesus could have acted out of self-interest when he was facing the cross. He could have backed away from it. And he said to his disciples, Do you not think that I could call upon you know, 12 legions of angels and my father will send them? You know, my father will rescue me from this. And he prayed, Father, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me. But you know, what kept him marching on? faithfully to the cross. Well, number one, it was his father's will to do that. And number two, it was his love for his sheep, his love for me and you. He cares for his sheep. He loves them to the end. A hired hand cares nothing for the sheep, runs away when difficulty comes. But a good shepherd who truly cares, who truly loves, will run into danger out of love for the sheep. I mean, and Jesus knew there were, you know, metaphorical wolves that we could never, ever face. Like our own sin, our own separation from God, our own death. We can't face those wolves. They will overtake every single one of us as sheep. But Jesus ran into that danger. Jesus ran to, to handle those enemies for us. I mean, Jesus could have used a lot of metaphors here. He could have said, you know, instead of I am the good shepherd, he could have said, I am the benign dictator, right? <laughs> or I am the good king, right? So pay your taxes, obey my laws, you know, and all will be well with you, right? That could have been a possible metaphor, but that's not, it's not even close to what he's saying here. He says, I am the good shepherd, because a shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep, and that's exactly what he has done for us. And he's done that out of love for us. One more characteristic of a shepherd. A personal knowledge of each of the sheep. John 10, 3. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. You know, you think of the friends and the family members that you might be seeing over these next few weeks. Um, you know them by name. And then you think, you know, you know their personalities, you know their strengths and weaknesses, you know their quirks. But then even then, you don't know them perfectly. You don't even know yourself perfectly. 
I mean, I keep discovering things about myself that I didn't know were true. Danielle, my wife, she makes sure that I learn them, and so do my own kids. Most recently, it was like, Dad, do you know? You know, sometimes when you, you use your hands in very strange ways, especially when you get excited. <laughs> um, but to think that Jesus knows you and knows me by name, that's what he says. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows how he has gifted us and what he has gifted us for, what the purpose of those gifts are. He knows our weaknesses and how he, he plans to change us, to, a plan to make us depend more fully on him, his grace and his spirit. He knows our fears, our hopes. He knows his sheep by name, personally. That's what shepherds do. I know my sheep, he says. So this is Jesus as our good shepherd. I hope you can see that. So just a few points of application, Bobby, on the last slide. Just going into Christmas break and thinking about, okay, we are sheep, and Jesus is the good shepherd. You know, as you go home for Christmas break, or as you go elsewhere, maybe other family uh, for Christmas break, or if you stay here, um, some things to consider. Number one, listen to Jesus' voice. Listen to God's word. Make it a habit. Yeah, it, 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 you know, opening up your Bible or, or listening to the Bible being read to you on your, on your iPhone. It could be listening to music or songs that communicate the truths about who God is and who we are to you. It could be sermons or podcasts, going to church and, and, and hearing songs sung and prayers prayed and, and um, the word preached. It could be hanging out with friends who will encourage you in the faith. It could be going on a walk and just leave, leave your phone, leave all devices at home and, and talk to God and ask him to speak to you. You know, things like, Lord, what do I need to hear from you now? What are you trying to teach me this semester or next semester? Where are you taking me right now? But listen to Jesus' voice. Number two, recognize your vulnerability. Right? As a sheep, recognize your vulnerability. And then what does that lead us to do? To pray. Uh, to, to seek strength from the good shepherd. Going home, I know for a lot of people, or breaks, having extended periods of time, of unstructured time, it can be a very difficult thing for some of us. You can fall back on old patterns of relating to those around you, family members or friends. Uh, it's easy to fall back into old habits that, that, that make you wander away like a stubborn sheep. Or just, you know, just getting really lazy. Uh, and, and not thinking about serving others, looking to others, and, and just getting pulled into stuff that doesn't matter. We are vulnerable. And so we need to pray for strength, for help, to admit that. Um, to recognize that's who we are as sheep, and then to seek the Good Shepherd in and through that. And finally, remind yourself, you know, through these weeks, remind yourself that you have a Good Shepherd, um, and that He is good. Don't wallow in your cluelessness. Like, sheep, just totally clueless about how good their Shepherd is. Consider all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Consider what Jesus has done for you this particular season, you know, Advent, Christmas, 
and he has stepped into this world, and he has stepped into this world so that we can have hope, um, hope that one day this world will be made new, um, the, the joy of forgiveness, um, eternal life, uh, promises that he gives us that will always be true. So we reflect on these things, that Jesus has stepped into this world for us and what that means. Reflect back on the semester and give thanks to God for the particular ways that he has blessed you. You know, how have you grown in faith and love? How has God changed you and transformed you by his grace and by his spirit? What earthly blessings has, has God given to you? I mean, don't focus on what he hasn't given to you, but just consider, like, okay, what are the earthly blessings that I have received from the hand of the Good Shepherd? And make a list of these blessings if you want. But you have a Good Shepherd. We have a Good Shepherd. Remember that. Remind yourself about that. Lord Jesus, you are the Good Shepherd. We declare that this is who you are. And we are so grateful that you have come to us and you have revealed all that you are to us and just the fact that you are a good shepherd captures so well who you are and how you relate to us. And I pray that for those of us here, a shepherd and chief, this is, this is such strange, removed things. I pray that these realities about who you are would sink deeply, more deeply into our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would grow us in the ways that you want us to grow. But Lord, just as we declare that you are the good shepherd, we also admit, confess, that we are sheep. But it is so good to be sheep that belong to you. I, I, I pray We are prone to follow, and I, and I pray that we would follow the right things, and I pray that your voice would be the primary voice that we hear from day to day, and that all other voices would fall into place around yours. Lord, we're vulnerable, we're helpless, so I pray that you would strengthen us from the inside out by the power of your spirit to live for you. And Lord, we don't want to be clueless. We, we truly want to recognize all that you are. Give us eyes to see all that you are and all that you have done for us. I pray that you would strengthen each one here tonight in these ways. And I pray that you would continue to prove to each one that you are the good shepherd, worthy of our life, because you've come to give us life. So Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise.